Hello there, this is Dixie Dixon, Nikon ambassador and fashion photographer, and you are listening to the Angry Millennial Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Borrow Lenses. Bring your vision to life with the gear you want when you need it. Don't deplete your resources by investing in gear you may only need once in a while. Instead, grow your business by using high-end gear before you can afford to own it. I know for me, for many years starting out, this is how I got the shots I needed with the glass I couldn't afford at the time. And plus, it's great for trying before you buy. With thousands of rental lenses, cameras, lighting, and all the tools to trade for hobbyists and pros alike. Get to use specialty gear such as underwater cameras or telephoto lenses for that once-in-a-lifetime adventure without a huge investment. You can choose the gear you want, tell them when you want it and for how long, and they'll ship the gear directly to you. You can book far in advance and secure all the gear you'll need. Visit borrowlenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we have photographer and host of the Sounds Good podcast, Brandon Harvey. Brandon, thanks for coming on, man. Man, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. No, of course, of course. So first off, congrats on recently tying the knot. So, Thank is, you. <laughs> is it true you guys met on Twitter? Yeah, so we met on Twitter. Uh, one of my friends retweeted her, and I was like, this girl is cute, and I like her tweet. <laughs> and so I hit the follow button. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't happen on like Instagram or Snapchat with you, you know? <laughs> for real, I know. This was, uh, this was pre-Snapchat for me, and not pre-Instagram, but like in the early days of Instagram for me. Right, and so right. Twitter was a natural step. Um, but one day I fully acknowledged that that's going to be like saying like, oh, we met on MySpace. Like people are just going to make fun of me. Right. Uh, but right now it's still pretty cool and I'll take it. No. Oh, <laughs> shit, man. There's plenty of worse places to meet someone online. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's fine. You're fine. So, um, you know, tell us a bit, you know, about, how you got started, you know, you, I know you got your, your first gig at, at 16, you know, younger than, than most. So were you always creative? Um, and, and did photography come first for you or was it some other outlet? Yeah. Well, let me start by saying I got my first gig at 16, but I do not think that it was a smart call to hire me. <laughs> I can't say that I was the best, um, but I'm super honored that that happened and it gave me a lot of confidence moving forward. Um, but I think looking back before that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not the guy who's like, if in, who's like bio on his website says like, Brandon Harvey found uh, his father's old vintage film camera at the age of eight, and he never put it down. Like that, that'll never be me. It right. never has been me. Um, if anything, you know, I really liked to write growing up. Um, I wrote like little books that were like, you know, I don't know, yeah. like I don't, it's. Just, not that they were any good. It was just this idea that like I wanted to create stuff. And I think I enjoyed that. Um, I also, I was just thinking about this the other day. I had, um, I would do lemonade stands all the time and I had like a paper route and I would, I had all these different kind of entrepreneurial ideas. And so part of me wonders if I, when I was introduced to photography through a photography class, if I was kind of drawn to it from the business aspect of it, if I was drawn right. because I was like, oh, this is something I can do for people. This is a way I can work with people. This is a way that I can bring creativity and um, other people together in the form of a business. Right. I mean, you said it. it. It was at that point, you know, growing up, maybe you looked at it like it was the perfect meld of those two worlds for you, you know, the business side and the creative side. Totally. You know, your, your left brain, your right brain, right? And yeah, for me, it was the same thing. Let's see. I I was into, I'm trying to think what came first. Probably drawing, 
but I wasn't very good. Kind of listening. <laughs> and then came uh, creative writing. And that was like, you know, eighth grade and part of high school. And then I le- kind of like let everything go in high school uh, towards the end because it was all about, you know, cars and parties and sports and all that kind of stuff, you know, impressionable stuff. And then it wasn't until my junior year of college that I got back into the drawing and painting classes. Oh, wow. And then I found my first photography class my senior year. And that was what kind of to me was like, oh, this is really cool. And like kind of like you said, you know, for me, it was it was nice to feel creative again and feel like I was I was using that that part of my brain. Totally. And, uh, and then I graduated. So I was like, shit, I got to find something to do. And photography yeah. was it. That's know? great, man. Yeah, I love yeah. that. So you've bounced around quite a bit. You know, first you were living in Washington State, then Portland, Oregon. Uh, now you're in Nashville, Tennessee, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How have you found each city kind of inspiring and, you know, your work? Because for a long time, you were like the Pacific Northwest guy. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and, and your work looked like that and all that kind of thing. And don't get me wrong, Nashville is beautiful, but it, it probably it's, has a little bit of a different kind It's of very feel. different. Yeah. Well, okay. So I grew up in this tiny little town called Pullman, Washington. Um, it's like in Eastern Washington, almost right by Idaho. Um, uh-huh. Oh, and let me tell you something about Pullman. The amazing thing about Pullman is that it's the amazing thing about Pullman is that it's the lentil capital of the world. <laughs> so there are lentil fields all over. There's all kinds of fields. It's like a big agriculture city. Um, but every year, and everybody looks forward to this. I still get jealous when I'm not there. There's the annual lentil festival, and Please, you just I must hear about this. <laughs> yeah, you just celebrate the lentil. Um, there is. Um, lentil chili and the mayor comes out and he stirs the big pot of chili. It's in like the back of like this big truck and he yeah. stirs the pot of chili and everybody can come get free lentil chili. There's um, there's a big mascot that runs around and his name is Tace, Tace T Lentil. And um, it's just, it's the best. And so that's the type of town that I grew up in. And it was actually a really, really fun place to um, start learning how to jump into this creative field because right. um, it, you know, it wasn't like the most creative city, but mm-hmm. you were able to identify the creative people. So I was able to say, oh, here's a creative person. There's a creative person. Um, and I could, you could kind of like rally around with them. Like you could kind of come around this idea of creativity. Yeah. And so I had some amazing mentors and peers who were doing photography and design and art uh, all come together. And it was a really great place to create. And I loved that from a place of just experimentation and doing stuff for the pure joy of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that if I'd been in a different environment, it maybe would have been a little bit more competitive or maybe would have been a little bit more. um, Yeah. It it just maybe not what it maybe wouldn't have been as conducive for me uh, to grow. And so, but it, I made the change uh, when I graduated high school. I was like, I want to move to Portland. And Portland was just a city that I'd loved for years. It had so many great experiences there, uh, just visiting. So I was like, I'm going to get myself to Portland. And the cool thing about Portland is it's the polar opposite of where I grew up. You know, I grew up in a small, um, conservative town out in the middle of nowhere. And Portland is like a well-known, well-loved, urban, liberal big city. Yeah. And so I just got to have this completely different experience and it was so challenging and so valuable. And I like to think that if I'd grown up in Portland, it would have been equally valuable and challenging for me to go and have, go to college in Pullman, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that it's just really good for people to have diverging experiences. Right. And so I, I moved to Portland and Portland was amazing. Like it opened up all these doors. It gave me future, like, like bigger, bigger opportunities where I could just kind of, um, yeah, I could just walk out the door and like meet somebody and all of a sudden that's like a creative director from Nike and I could, you know, (laughs) whether I work with Nike or whether I just end up like getting to know this person who's doing brilliant creative work, it's a really fun place to be and to grow. And then of course, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, And But okay, this is, you know, I I never really talk about this because I don't really get to talk to photographers all that often. But really? The, well, I mean, no, I, I'm sorry, on podcasts. Oh, um, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like you talk to them all the time. Yeah, no, I don't get to talk to photographers on podcasts all the time. Yeah. But the town I grew up in, it had all these rolling hills. Nice. And because of that, 
the sun always set early. You know, the sun never set on the horizon. It set when it went behind whatever hill you were on. And mm-hmm. so you got, you never got like this soft golden light that you would get in like California or something where right. it just like goes right over the ocean and you're getting this beautiful soft light. It's always, you know, a few degrees above the horizon. And then it's not because we don't have really any pollution. Um, you really get like really direct golden light. Um, and it's, it's a really fascinating place to learn how to shoot photos because it's so, um, it's so harsh. So you get yeah. really, really good at working with light. Yeah. I think that when I moved to Portland, which is absolutely beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, but it's like the most overcast city in the world. I like leaned on that crutch way too hard. And I was just always <laughs> shooting on really, really like soft, beautiful light. And, uh, and so fast forward a few years, yeah. To like this year, I get married, um, moved to Nashville, Tennessee, which is amazing, so creative. But the light here is harsh again, and it is right. so nice to like be pushing myself and challenging myself with light. Um, right. Not to mention, there's not beautiful trees and mountains and rivers in the same way. And right. so I feel like I'm growing as a photographer in my technical abilities again, which is really fun. Um, but then besides that, uh, Nashville is just really fun. Lots of really creative people. The music scene really. Um, brings this like the creative community to life, and um, I'm just having a fun time, and I'm eating a lot of donuts. Nashville's got great donuts. <laughs> nice. So you said it. I mean, it, how far is Portland from Pullman? Just, just it's like a six hour drive, maybe. Okay, yeah. So it's far enough that yeah. for sure it was a big, big shift for you uh, moving over there. And and you said it. It's um that's what I love about about living in cities. Like you said, was you never know who you're going to bump into. You never exactly. know who's there and working and all that kind of stuff. And and I, what I think is interesting is why Nashville and Austin, these kind of places, are blowing up. Is they're they're a bit they're like a let's just say from a bustling city. They're a little removed from that, but they still have a huge, vibrant community mm-hmm. and creative culture. And I wonder, like. Now that you're in Nashville, do you see yourself collaborating with a lot of musicians on work or, you know, um, pulling you and like you said, pulling into you into these like different kinds of of um, uh, creative groups that you're kind of uh, vibing off of and that sort of thing? Totally. I think that's my favorite thing about Nashville. So in Nashville, I work out of this amazing studio space, this collaborative workspace called Weld. And Weld is full of all of these different creators. And there's a few photographers here. Uh, but there's a lot of designers. There's people who work in the music industry. Um, I've got my own little office. It's like in a shipping container here. It's dope. Oh, wow. And like cool. my desk mate is my best friend Judson, who's a, a designer. And he's doing all this amazing work for different artists and musicians. And half my friends are musicians. And so it's been re- it's been a really, really fun place to kind of try new things, experiment with stuff. Like I launched a podcast recently, and that's mm-hmm. – that happened exclusively because I moved to Nashville. There were some producers living here who had started a new media company. Um, and they were like, Brandon, we think you've got a podcast inside of you. Let's create this. And so I started working with them, not because um, I had this podcast idea and I brought it to them, but just because we were in the same place at the same time. And that's yeah. the, the valuable thing about being in a city that fits you, or maybe even better, that's opposite of you um, because you get people who compliment what you do and you're able right. to work together in cool ways. Yeah, you said it. And, and and that's a good transition. I mean, you know, that's kind of uh, like, so the, the show you started is a sound good, the sound good show, right? Sounds good with Brandon Harvey. Yeah, with Brandon Harvey. Um, and, and like you said, I always wondered how you got, like you said, how that kind of idea came together. Uh, and you said it, I mean, someone you met through just networking uh, with the creatives in that area. And actually, so were you in that co-working space and then you, you recorded out of there as well? Exactly. Yeah. So I oh, showed wow. up, I'd moved in. So I had a lot of friends who um, helped start this thing and a lot of friends who worked here. So when I moved to Nashville immediately, like the first day I show up um, and I start working out of here and um, and like the next week I met these guys who were starting this media company. And so That's now cool. it's like awesome. Cause I walked 15 feet from my desk to the studio, um, <laughs> and I'm recording with you and it's just, it's a blast. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, that's something that 
I've, you know, I've been working from home for years and, and obviously, yeah, like with the, the push of like WeWork and all these other amazing, yeah. you know, Impact Hub and, and there's so many coworkers, um, these coworking spaces that have been really kind of sprouting up around the country that that's the ideal thing. I mean, I, I'm even part of a, a board of a nonprofit that is a coworking space here in Maryland. Hmm. And it, it really was because of exactly what you just said. The fact that anyone can work from home. And for some people, a co-working space is literally just getting you out of the house. But I think for that, anyone can just go to a Starbucks. So instead, the way I think a lot of people look at it and the right way to look at it, like you have been, is that a co-working space is a place where you can just meet other people who are exactly. doing amazing things. You know, you can you could start a business together, you could launch a show together, you could do all this stuff that you wouldn't have met if you were just working out of your house. Even in, as someone like you, uh, even in uh, a, a society we're at now where like you have a huge social media following and you interact with all of them. And it's like, even still, you, you just said to yourself, I still want to have that day-to-day interaction face-to-face with really cool people. And, and look how it's kind of really panning out. That's great. Exactly. So, so tell me, what, what's the, what vision do you have for the Sounds Good show? Man, I, you know, the, the show just started off, um, with me thinking there's so many people that I think are the the best people in the world. I don't know if that's a good way of saying it. There are so many people that I think are a special kind of person. And it's, there's this, it's, I've always had a hard time describing it actually, because, uh, and that's, I think that's why I started the show. I think there's all these people in the world that I admire and Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted a way to bring them together around an idea. Um, and those people, I think that the common string between them, Mm -hmm. the thing that ties them all together is that they are, uh, making a huge impact in the world. Um, whether it's just with their art or whether they started something that makes a difference or, you know, they're creating something. Um, but the thing that, um, but they're not letting cynicism or fear get in the way of, like, of, of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've just really come to admire. People who are optimistic in a time of cynicism, mm-hmm. um, you know, the internet is full of cynicism. The internet is full of negativity. The world is full of negativity. Mm-hmm. There's some people who choose to focus on the beautiful things. And so that's something I've just really enjoyed about uh, creating this podcast is these are people who like acknowledge that there is stuff that is that there is stuff that sucks in the world, but they mm-hmm. um, but they're super cool about sorry. Uh, yeah, no, they're super I just lost my train of thought. And <laughs> no, I, you get it. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, uh, to me, it's not necessarily like it's a rah, rah, feel good type thing. But in the, re- the reality is, like you said, there's a lot of shit going on in the world that if you really let it kind of drag you down, it can, no one's, no one's surprised, you know, all the horror totally. things going on in the world, but just like anything else in life, you sit there and you say, all right, I could concentrate on that. And then that could bleed into my, my my ethos and my, and my personality and, and and all that. Instead, yeah, let's just admit there's shit out there. But that's not everything about life. You know, you're still alive. That's a great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like embrace that. And I I think we're we're starting to get a little more self aware about that. You know, the last few years where people are realizing it's not just like you know, pot smoking hippies that talk about the fact that we all should just get along and that, you know, any day you're above ground's a good day. I mean, that's just the fucking truth, you know, yeah. like we could die tomorrow. Um, but it, you know, it, it's definitely, like you said, it's sounds good. Like you, the name itself <laughs> is let's chat with people who just see the good in life and are doing cool things. And in that sense, it, it, it's, it's, you're just helping, like you said, broaden, your your overall horizon. I mean, that was something that uh, I want to talk real quick about. Um, I know you you recently started like a newsletter, right? And it was yeah, yeah. Thing. It was the same thing. Like, let's bring some positive outlook into your mailbox every day. You know, and how, how's that? Because I noticed you did, you spurred that kind of recently. It was after the podcast started, right? Totally. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Around the same time. Okay. Um, yeah, there was there was basically 
uh, a day where I was just like scrolling through the news and I was just so overwhelmed by all of the crap going on in the world. Because like there is a lot of darkness in the world. Um, And then all of a sudden I just kind of, I found a news article where I was like, oh, this is a beautiful story. Like why is nobody talking about this? And, uh, and at that moment I was like, okay, cool. I can complain, which I did do, you know, I can complain. Um, but that's not going to make a difference. And I've heard other people make these same complaints, you know, it's like, oh man, I wish that there was more good news. And I was like, why don't I just curate the good news? Like I want to be a person who pays better attention Mm -hmm. to the beautiful things happening in the world. And then I also want to be somebody who celebrates that because I think that it's cyclical. The more that you pay attention, the more that you celebrate it, um, the more that stuff's going to happen, you know, and even just with myself, you know, the more that maybe I'm going to create more good in the world. And so every single week, um, I send out an email to people who are down with this idea. Um, I call the email that good news letter and every week it has five pieces of good news from around the world. So like this week, um, which, you know, it's been a little bit of a rough time, uh, in the United States and in the world. Um, I shared this beautiful story of, um, there's this city in Iraq that was just freed from ISIS control called Fallujah. And um, I've got some friends there who loaded up um, these huge trucks full of food. And they showed up with hundreds of thousands of pounds of food for these people who uh, have been starving for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. And like, there's so much brokenness in that, but there's like this, this breakthrough of hope. And not a lot of people are talking about that. Um, And there's all kinds of other stuff. You know, there's just last week, somebody uh, fell into, um, somebody fell onto some subway tracks in New York and a bunch of strangers jumped in there to help that person out before the train. Powerful stuff. And um, it'd be really cool if, you know, you know, I, I don't want people to like not pay attention to the news. I think it's important to know what's going on in the world. But I think there's something beautiful about equal doses of beautiful news and difficult news. Right, um, right. And you and, said, I mean, if you watch the news growing up, what was it? Three quarters horror, right, yep. of what's going on around you. And then a 10-minute fluff piece that was like about a puppy or a, oh, know, totally. a, a, a freaking water skiing squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, all right. We can dig a little deeper, folks, you know? Yeah. And, and for sure, it's it's definitely like, I'll be honest, I, I keep up on some of the stuff that goes on around the you know world, but I don't sit every night and watch the news like I used to growing up. My totally. Because it's, it's fucking depressing. You know that what I mean? That's the worst. And, and it, it, it's, you know, so, so that's really great that you're doing your part essentially in, in trying to, you know, like you said, just bring a little bit positive, more positive attitude out there. Totally. Uh, and it's so, yeah. Yeah. I kind of just look at it as an outlook, you know, mm-hmm. pay more attention to the good in the world because it's out there if you're willing to keep your eyes open. And it, I, I ultimately want the people who are subscribed to this newsletter to be people who do the same thing, to pay attention. And it's so fun. Every week the email goes out to thousands of people and then I get hundreds of emails back with people saying, here's the good news that I found this week. And it's amazing. Like I read through them, I click through the links um, and people are paying attention to the beautiful things around them. And and so at first I was- curates itself almost, right? Kind of, yeah. You know, at first I was super nervous. I was like, is there enough good news to do this? Pretty quickly <laughs> I found out that there is so much more good news than I ever realized. And right. it's really cool. That's cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So speaking of that, um, you know, I know recently, you know, speaking of of telling stories and, and all that kind of thing, you were nominated for Snapchatter of the Year. And that was along <laughs> Kylie Jenner and DJ Khaled. I mean, that's that's major key, right? But You've been one of the biggest proponents of the platform I've known, like Gary Vaynerchuk, for a while now. Uh, it's definitely come a long way since sending random nudes. Let's be honest, <laughs> right? And uh, how did you first come across the platform, and and what do you think? What do you think is in store for its future? Yeah, I, you know, like a lot of people, I downloaded Snapchat a few years ago. And played with it, and I was like, "Oh, this is dumb! Like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to send nude photos to anybody. So why would I have this?" And so right. I just deleted the app for a long time. And um, it wasn't until I saw a friend of mine start to use it to tell really interesting, compelling stories that I kind of gave it a second thought. He would just go out, and every day he would um, tell a little story. And I was like, "I 
think that that really resonates with what I want to do. You know, I see myself far more as a storyteller than as a photographer. And I'm just constantly looking for new new tools to tell stories with. And so oftentimes that's my camera, but other times it can be an app on a phone. And so I downloaded the app and I just started telling stories of what's going on in my life, um, sometimes creating and like writing and making up stories. Um, and I, I fell in love with it. And I kind of, at that point, I was like, I'm just going to go all in on this. Like, I've got no idea what's going to happen, but I'm just going to go hard and and try something. And so I created um, a new story every single day for a year, or at least that was my goal. I definitely wow. missed plenty of days. Um, let's be honest here. but. Right. Um, but through committing to do that, I learned a whole lot about how to get better at telling stories, how to, uh, show up even when you don't want to. And the cool thing also about doing something consistent, doing something consistently is that people pay attention. They say, wow, this guy's showing up every day. I'm going to see what he's doing next. And so I kind of started to build an audience on Snapchat. And before you knew it, I had this cool community of people who wanted to see compelling stories. And so I've just been creating them ever since. That's awesome. And I mean, it's, you know, what I found really funny was I, I kind of saw what people do. And to me, it was like, like you said, it was people who just kind of told a story through bits of what their day was like. And and it was okay. You know, I, I understood that. But then when I saw your one of yours, I died laughing when it, it this was a while ago, but it was um it was that you were running late to go home and you're like, Oh my god, I gotta get home and I got two minutes and you started running and it was just clips of you like jumping over Oh <laughs> like jumping yeah over benches, running along a wall. And you, I thought I forget if you had a dog or you were bumping into dogs and stuff. Oh yeah. Dogs. And it was hysterical. And then you shared the the stuff that people snap back at you totally showing their cool tricks that they were doing and 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 different moves and it was awesome because i never thought of it like that and like you said that was something you were able to do with the platform that's really neat yeah yeah it's been it's been a really really fun place to just kind of innovate it's the wild wild Mm -hmm. west of snapchat there's no rules and so you can just kind of make your own rules try new stuff and um I don't know. It feels like a really fun place to be creative. And yeah. I'm just, I'm enjoying it. And I'm honored to uh, be listed in uh, in the same sentence as DJ Khaled and Kylie Jenner. You know, like who would have thought? Yeah, no, I mean, you said it. It's you, one of the things that you did, you literally, speaking of, of the Wild West, you Snapchatted in the White House. Yeah. And you were one of the first yeah. people to ever Snapchat in the White House. I do it. That's pretty that's pretty cool. Um so kind of what tell me what was that like and and what was it like hanging out with with Pete Souza? I mean, you know, did he's the official White House photographer for all these years and you know, did you have in the kind of getting golden nuggets of info from him? Yeah. Um yeah, getting invited out to the White House was incredible. A super fun honor. Um I don't know why they let me do that. You know, like that's nuts. I tried to like slide down some banisters and the secret service were like, you can't do that, sir. Um, I accidentally touched so many things I wasn't supposed to touch. I touched like I, I was trying to shoot this photo of like me peering out of these curtains, you know? And so I had to take my hands and like push the curtains aside and, um, they're like, sir, those are 200 year old curtains. You can't do that. And I was like, I'm sorry. Um, like something George Washington was allowed to do, but I wasn't, you know, something right. like that. That's um, hysterical. And so, but while I was there, I got to hang out with Pete Souza. Pete is incredible. Um, he's a super nice guy. I've been following his work for years. He's so talented. Um, he's, I think he's my all-time favorite photojournalist. Um, and he just has a way of capturing people's, I mean, specifically, he has an incredible way of capturing President Obama's personality um, and also his legacy. And so I just loved getting to ask him questions, you know, and specific questions like, what's your workflow like? Like, how do you uh, manage all of these files? Like, how do you do that? But also stuff like, exactly, it's nuts. But then, um, you know, things like, are you scared when you are photographing these big moments? Or, you know, what what are you going to do next? What are you excited Mm -hmm. about after you've done this like yeah, I'm sure you won't be job. out of work for long. <laughs> yeah, I know for real. And so 
he was just great. He's the nicest guy. He's super humble, super um, just gentle. And uh, and that's, I think, a really cool attribute. So I really yeah. admired that time. That's great. That's awesome. I can't believe you touched two 100-year-old curtains. <laughs> I know. I know. Maybe we should cut that out. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical. So uh, one thing I wanted to to touch upon, I, I think I read it somewhere. You told me um, that after that, then they opened up the White House to photography. Yeah. So you guys were kind of like a pilot program. Yeah. Instagram. So apparently, um, and, and I, I didn't know this at the time, but apparently when we showed up at the White House, me and the other people that were with me, we were kind of test subjects to see if it would be cool if people were allowed to shoot photos of the White House. Because historically, if you get a tour of the White House, whether you're you know, a guest of the president or just a tourist off the street, um, you can't shoot photos. You know, sometimes they take away your camera. Sometimes they take away your phone. Um, it's just off limits for security reasons, for um, archival reasons, like so much stuff. It's a museum. You know, there's all kinds of rules. Um, but um, a few months after my visit to the White House, Michelle Obama uh, basically changed the rules of the White House where anybody can come and shoot photos and share photos. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that people get the opportunity to go to this incredibly historic place where so many amazing things happen and they get to document that experience and they get to bring people along for the journey and they, you know, get to bring a touch of creativity to um, a place that's not known for its creativity. And so, yeah, and and I have no idea how much of a role I played in that, but, um, but (laughs) it's pretty freaking cool that put it on your resume, just put it on resume. I ushered in the new era (laughs) at the white house. Can you hear me? hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. It cut out for a second. Oh, okay. So I said, dude, put in your resume. I ushered yeah. in new era at the White House in media relations. Boom. Perfect. I'll put that <laughs> on my LinkedIn. And people are going to be like, okay, but what what kind of job do you do with that? So we'll yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So um, tell me, speaking of like social media, like for instance, like you said, Instagram getting you essentially in the White House and Snapchat and being, you know, uh, being kind of found on that sort of uh, platform as well. How did you find with like monetizing your social media platforms? Did it bring you, did, it, did, that, did doing that kind of bring the pressure of always having to be on or did you simply, um, you know, pursue it in a way that you could just keep doing your own thing? You, you yeah. know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I am super honored to be able to, um, make my full-time job, um, working for myself, you know, and that means Mm -hmm. part-time social media, part-time photography, you know, all these different revenue streams coming in at the same time. Um, it's, you know, it's really, really unique having an audience and like, and consistently creating content, uh, to share with them. Uh, but my ultimate goal is just to be as genuine as possible. And so I really just share things that I'm excited about. Um, and and so I think that that partly takes off the pressure of having to post every day or all the time. You know, I'm just like, okay, what am I excited about? What's going on in my life that's like bringing me joy? And how can I photograph that or share that in a way that it's going to add value to other people's lives? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as like an advertiser or a brand wants to get into the mix, um, it, you know, the truth is I get dozens of these emails every day saying, hey, we want to work with you. We want you to post for us. And I only say no to, or sorry, I only say yes to about 10% of those people. I say no to 90% of the emails that come in my inbox. And I just wait for the stuff that's a good fit. I wait for people uh, who, I wait for brands who are going to align with what I want to do. So my goal is um, to tell stories that make a difference in the world and tell stories that remind people of the good in the world. And so, you know, if a brand approaches me and they're in line with that. And I think that they're going to add value to my audience. Then I think it's a no brainer to work with them, you know, because it's just a win win for the brand, me, my audience. Um, I never want to manipulate my audience. I always want to be honest, like, Hey, I'm working with these people. Um, I hope that they add as much value for you as I was hoping. And, um, you know, it's tricky. I've learned a lot along the way, but I'm, I'm feeling a lot more confident these days in my ability to say yes and no and uh, understand what uh, the people who are following me want from me. Mm-hmm. No, like you said, that's important because you can, 
you can think you have their best interests in mind and all of a sudden it just backfires and you're just like, ah, crap, you know? Totally. Um, so tell me, I mean, like you said, I, I think you've, you've definitely um, learned a lot. You've definitely aligned it in a way that it cannot be, or let's just say it caters to your strengths and, and why you like being on social media. But have you ever taken a break from all social media for like a given period of time ever? Um, yeah, every once in a while I'll do that. I specifically just try to do that in small ways. So I'll do, mm-hmm. you know, weekends away. Uh, when I was on my honeymoon, you know, no social media then. Um, even I try to do like weekend or yeah. Yeah. I try to like take off nights. Um, you know, I'll be going on vacation in a few weeks and I have stuff pre-scheduled that's going to go live, you know, cause it's, um, it really is valuable to keep on sharing stuff. And I have so much, I always have more content that I want to share than I have time to share it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm going to go on vacation and I think stuff's just going to go live automatically or I'll have a friend post it or something. And when I get back, I'll, you know, engage with people in the comments and, you know, keep it real. But um, there it is, real. yeah, exactly. But there is so much value in um, taking time away. And yeah. um for me, it usually looks like finding a unique way to do that, you know, because mm-hmm. I also, um, you know, I also want to add value to people. And so right. you don't want to burn out, but you don't want to, um, you don't want to quit. Right, right. And exactly. You know what I mean? And that's why I think some people, you know, they always look at a break as like, you know, a bad thing. It's like, no, it's the opposite. Like you take mm-hmm. a break because you want to keep going. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you're not going to take, you know, otherwise that break is going to be, you're done. You yeah. Know? Yeah, the break is going to be not your choice, but your body shutting you down or something. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, speaking of all this, you know, your social media and, you know, what you've been able to do with with that, leveraging that, you know, working with brands, getting trips to the White House, all that kind of stuff. You know, you've also gotten your fair share of great press, you know, from on reputable publications. You know, was this something that you ever kind of like worked towards? Or was it all just kind of a snowball effect from your early on kind of stuff that got that got published? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of fifty fifty. You know, a lot of a lot of press has come to me just because I have accidentally ended up doing things that are new and unique. You know, uh, Snapchat blowing up is something that people weren't necessarily expecting, and people certainly mm-hmm. weren't expecting somebody uh, like me to just ha- make their job Snapchat, you know? And so it's kind of a funny article for somebody to write like, this guy's making money with Snapchat or like this guy spends his whole day on Snapchat, you know, stuff like that is a funny headline. And so people write it and I'm super honored by that. And then of course there's a cyclical stuff of like some person at another, at another publication sees that article and they're like, Oh, I'm going to write the same article. And so, uh, things just kind of repeat, but I've also, you know, just being in this world, being in this industry, I've developed relationships with people who work at different press outlets. Um, and so when they have an article idea, they're like, oh, you know what? I can reach out to anybody, but I'll just reach out to Brandon because I know him. Um, and as these pieces of press, you know, as as they – yeah, as these pieces of press pop up and um, I'm actually able to see that they're super valuable. You know, people find me through that stuff and um, they help – tell my story better than I could myself. And Mm -hmm. so I've definitely kind of leaned towards stuff. You know, when I hear of a good opportunity, um, you know, sometimes it'll work out that I can end up being in an article with that or something. Um, And that's super fun when somebody else gets to share my story instead of me sharing my story. Um, But I'm constantly trying to figure out new specific ways to, um, to have stories be told. And so this is just another way that, uh, has been fun to experience. Yeah, yeah, no. And I remember, uh, I, I think last time where we we spoke, we were chatting, and and you even mentioned something like Harrow, right? Like help, yeah, help a reporter out. That that was something that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah, there's a there's a cool platform called Harrow, which stands for Help a Reporter Out. That basically, when a reporter's like, "Hey, I need a source for this," uh, then you can respond and be like, "Oh, I know somebody." And so all the time, like in my inbox, I get I get these three times a day, and I'll be like, "Oh man, like." 
my friend Jose would be a perfect fit for this. Like you should reach out to him. And every once in a while, it's like looking for a Snapchatter who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'll be like, <laughs> interestingly enough, that's that's me. And so yeah. I'll be like, hey, I'm a Snapchatter in Nashville. Like I'd love to talk to you for your story. And so it's a super hit or miss thing, but it's just cool keeping your eyes open with that. And mm-hmm. um, I've definitely I've been learning more and more how to use it to uh, help my friends out and how to connect them with stuff and. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's a blast. Yeah. yeah, leverage your network. And and like you said, you know, realize that even if it's something you're not a good fit for, it doesn't mean you're just going to click out of it. And you might say, hey, look, maybe I got someone of my friends that could be a good fit. And, totally. Uh, and you're still helping someone. Yeah. So that's great. So, you know, speaking of all this, right, like you said, you got a podcast, you have, you know, your social media platforms that are that are huge. You have your photography work, you know, and, and a lot of it people would argue, and you could argue too, is that it's all just stuff that you love doing. So my next question is like, are there any personal projects you've been working on and what are your thoughts on them? Because, you know, one could argue like you're doing fun stuff that you happen to get paid for, but like most things, they can become a job. And and then maybe the personal projects still help you, you know, kind of stay fresh and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but growing up, I think I had a little bit of an entrepreneurial mindset, you know, for fun, I'd go start a lemonade stand and I'd make some money with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so part of me is just kind of processing through this and I'm like, you know, maybe for me, something enjoyable is the business side of things. Um, and, and so that's why, you know, if you would ask me like, Brandon, what are you psyched about right now? What is a blast for you? Right now, the really, really fun thing for me is launching my podcast. I love it. It's so fun to push myself, to create new things, to learn a lot. You know, I'm constantly learning with this. Um, you know, that's something that's really fun. It also, well, I mean, I don't get paid with it, um, but it's a super fun um a f- super fun thing that definitely is a part of my business. Mm-hmm. And um you know, down the road, I could see myself loving the idea of, um, you know, trying out pottery or like, I want to learn how to cook really well. And those are things that I'm super open to. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I'm super open to trying stuff like that out. Um, but I, you know, and, and maybe it's, there's probably something there with this idea of like, is it okay for you to like really enjoy your job like should it just be working you should go and have some fun doing something totally different but right mm-hmm. now I'm in, I'm in a place where i absolutely love the work that i get to do and it's really fun uh to wake up every day and be psyched about it um and i'm sure that'll change over time but um yeah that's that's where i'm at that's great i mean like you said it's it's you made a good point where a lot of us uh make it to where I might, you know, do photography full time, but then pick up a personal project with photography that kind of helps me get reinvigorated. But then you also took an opposite approach where you said, maybe then I do something completely different. And Mm -hmm. that alone helps me stay fresh in this other stuff I'm doing because I'm just constantly kind of pushing myself to learn new things, to to tackle new things that I genuinely find interest in. And that's pretty interesting as well. And that's cool. Yeah. So Brandon, these next few questions, we're going to go a little deep. All right. So uh, what's the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? Man. Um, actually, let me ask you this. Do you remember what I said last time? <laughs> so no. So, That's so okay. Just I'll just... Yeah. yeah. So, so as, as we're, uh, Brandon mentioned, we actually chatted uh, before, right? M- months ago even. And and as usually things happen with technology, there was issues, and, and we ended up losing a lot of the stuff. So we're re-recording, and uh, and I think it's great because we're literally saying, okay, how can we revisit some of these questions and and see what my answers might change, you know, or, or something new might come up in the last few months. Um, but as for as far as your last answer, I don't. I think maybe it was. I think it was the decision to move. Because yeah, you had, you that's had, funny. Like a good thing going, but yeah. Well, that's actually. I was gonna bring that. I think I was gonna bring that up again, uh, and so I'm glad that that's what I said before because it means that. Uh, well, maybe it's not good because maybe I should have been taking more risks since then. But right. um, but I honestly think that both times that I've moved have been a huge step for me. Uh, mm-hmm. When I moved from Pullman to Portland, I was, you know, I'm I was 18 at the time, but. Honestly, I feel like I was kind of owning uh, 
the photography market in Pullman, you know, and I could have been, you know, at the top of my game in uh, this small town if I had stayed. But Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of value in me saying, okay, I'm going to give myself a new challenge. I'm going to move to a bigger city where I suck more, you know, like (laughs) comparatively there's people who are way more talented than I am. um, And I'm going to try that. And the same thing goes for when I moved to Nashville, when I moved, uh, when I was in Portland, I basically had to, um, yeah, when I was in Portland, um, I was feeling really, really good about what I was doing. I, uh, I feel like I knew a lot of the right people. I was Mm -hmm. getting a lot of work I was psyched about, but I also, you know, first of all, I'd fallen in love with a girl and we were getting married and I wanted to like be in the same city as her. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was also kind of feeling this, uh, desire to try something new and to push myself again. And that's the thing about risk is there's always the desire to take a risk. There's, it's, you know, you rarely take a risk on accident. You always Mm -hmm. take a risk because you chose to do it. But then it's a risk because there's some danger involved um, or some perceived danger like fear. And so um, I was definitely afraid uh, both times I moved and every time after I made the jump, um, it felt so much better and I felt so much stronger about it. Um, And I love where I'm at right now. And so, you know, the fact that I'm starting to feel content maybe means I need to take another risk and who knows what that is next, but um, I'm looking forward to it and super nervous already. (laughs) That's great. I mean, you said it, it's, I love how you said perceived kind of uh, uh, things, right? Because in reality, if you think about what fear is, a definition of fear is that it's not really real. You know, it's, it's a, it's like you said, it's a, it's a reaction to uh, an unknown thing that might happen or might not happen. Totally. So it's, when you when you think about it like that, it kind of almost you almost laugh at it, but it's true. I mean, anytime you do something, yeah, you can be scared shitless that X or Y might happen, but none of those might happen, and you might end up just being fine, you know. And and it's like you said, it it brought up something that when I chatted with uh, Zach Sutton, you know, yeah. recently he. He made note of it and he actually, like like you, he makes a very conscious effort that anytime he is in a new market and he starts feeling like he's hitting his stride, he then leaves and finds a new market because then it forces him to start all over again, forces him to refresh his whole book, forces him to start from the bottom with his network and connections. And I, when I heard that, I was like, holy shit, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And it was the same thing. He came from a small town in Michigan where he was doing really well and said, I'm going to push myself, move to um, uh, New Mexico or for Albuquerque, right? Where everyone knows it as, you know, Breaking Bad Town. <laughs> and then he was there for all of that. And then he most recently moved to LA. And, mm. you know, he said the same thing. He's like, I'm constantly going to a bigger, more crowded, more saturated market in an effort to just constantly, like you said, totally pushing myself and, and kind of, kind of thing. So it's really neat. Yeah. If you ever, I mean, it's that idea that if you ever find yourself, uh, to be the most intelligent or most accomplished person in a room, then you're in the wrong room. And I would always, you know, growing up, I always took AP classes and, um, I took like honors English, you know, all these things. Um, and I got like B's and C's, you know, I wasn't great, but I loved being the dumbest kid in the room because I, there was so much growth that could happen. Um, yeah. and that's where I want to be professionally too. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so name your biggest fear creatively, man. I think, I think my biggest fear is probably, man, I'm thinking, I'm <laughs> thinking my brain that's is how I going, get you, man. That's how I guess. I know you. it's awesome. Um, I think I think that my greatest fear would be not um, would be knowing that I did something without doing it the best that it could be, mm-hmm. um, and there's a balance there. And I think that I'm pretty aware of this balance because um, there's this idea. My friend John Acuff, he's an author, um, like Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and he um, he says, "Oh, what is it that he says? Hold on, it's going to come to me." Um, <laughs> Is this idea, oh, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. <laughs> he says, oh man, I just fully lost my train of thought. <laughs> so Which, biggest fear creatively. Yeah. Friend who put it in a very eloquent way 
Uh, oh yeah. So yeah. So the other side of that is um, this idea that like ninety percent perfect, or sorry, one hundred percent perfect and stuck in your head is better than ninety percent perfect and out in the world. And so I really do want things to be the best. Like I don't want to be somebody who looks back on his life and says, I could have done that better if I just made this change. But I also want to find this balance of also making sure that I'm putting things in the world consistently. And so it's a fear, but I think that I'm dealing with it by acknowledging um, these changes. Yeah. Yeah, Like you said, I mean, it's for a lot of us as creatives, we're our own harshest critic, but we also have to take that with a grain of salt and say, listen, something might not be a hundred percent in my head, but you can, you can always be like stuck in beta, you know, and never actually create anything. So like you said, it's, it's getting past it. I'm in the same way where I'm constantly struggling with that and trying to be more self-aware and saying, well, I can either keep putting stuff out and constantly try and make it better and better and look back and suddenly I have an archive of great stuff. It's called the career. Or I could just say, well, I had this great idea once, but I couldn't get it perfect in my head. So I just never did it. And, and that's a dangerous place to be. Um, so tell me, we're going to go even deeper. Uh, name your most meaningful moment in your career thus far. Man, I, whew. It's been it's been a really interesting year for meaningful moments um because um because a lot of what I've been doing has had a whole lot more of my heart and soul in it which mm-hmm. is a really fun place you know I came from you know shooting senior portraits when I was in high school which are just kind of, you know you can put heart and soul into it but I didn't know how it was just me shooting photos of people in good light in dresses and collared shirts um to a point now where I take these ideas that really mean a lot to me, social justice ideas, ideas focused on making the world a better place. And I get to put a, a physical or audible version of this out into the world in the hopes that it'll, that it will change people. And so I think, I mean, I think the most meaningful moment for me would be not the creation of something, but people's reaction to things. You know, I've had a few times where I'll send out my newsletter and I'll get a, I'll get a response back from somebody saying, Hey, this terrible thing just happened to me. Like, and I don't want to get into it, but like, you know, it's just like a terrible thing that happened to somebody. And they were like, and your newsletter, like gave me like hope in the right moment. And I was like, wow, that's like powerful. Or, you know, I'll, I'll release, you know, a a photo series on a certain people group in in the world, and people will um, they'll say, "Wow, I never had considered like what those people are going through until you shared that." And I was like, "Dang, like that's that's exactly what I want to be doing. I want to be humanizing people. I want to be filling people with hope." And um, and so that's that's meaningful for me when the things that I do actually make the intended impact. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's easy to get wrapped up in the ideas of like likes or followers or um, fame. And it's really nice when uh, when you're reminded of what actually matters and why you actually yeah. do what you do. Yeah. So tell me on the flip side of that, what's the biggest regret in your career? Hmm. I, I mean, I have a goofy regret. There was this one killer campaign uh, where I was going to go shoot these beautiful photos in Canada, and I had to drop out at the last minute. And I still am so bummed that I didn't get to go on that trip just because I saw other people's photos, and I was like, Canada is gorgeous. It was like a particular time of year, like at this one thing that only happens every once in a while. And I was like, oh, that's incredible. Um on a serious note, um, I don't know. It's hard. I've never been one to really have regrets. Like, you know, I am the guy who, if it wasn't a, a dumb idea, I would probably get a hashtag no regrets tattoo. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, of course, be the guy that spells it wrong or something and yeah. be like, dang it, I regret that. Yeah, um, no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've never really been one to say I have regrets. And I think that's because I just love to learn from my experiences and I love to learn from the things that happen. Um, you know, there's two ways to learn things. One, you listen to the wisdom of other people. Or two, you bend something until it breaks and then you realize not to do that again. Um, yeah. And I like, I think that we we probably all do about 50-50. And, um, and, there's, and there's not much you can do about that, but just... Um, you know, just keep on rolling through. And so, um, that's, that's my goal is just to not be crushed or hindered by the things, uh, that I fail at because, um, ultimately we're all going to make a lot of mistakes and we're all going to grow a ton. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and really I think that, um, leading from a place of brokenness, from a place of here's what, here's where I failed, here's where I haven't uh, fulfilled what I wanted to do. I think that gives us a way better opportunity to um, to communicate with people. People want to hear about our failure, about our failures more than they want to hear about our uh, successes. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, and, and people can be inspired by your success, but I think it's the opposite. I think people are more inspired by the fact that you failed and you kept going and then you eventually found success. So it's almost like success to uh, a lot of people when they look at it the right way is just a byproduct of the fact that you kept going when you failed a lot. Um, I mean, think about it. No one really likes an overnight success because you sit there mm-hmm. and go, you haven't, you haven't swallowed enough shit <laughs> to be where you're at. But again, like most people realize nowadays, I think, is that there is really no... like. Most of the time, the flash in the pan people are just the 50 minutes of fame. But the people who actually have actual success, sustainable success, people kind of know it was a 10-year overnight thing. You know, like they were putting in the work, like you said, and they were making mistakes and, and, and failing a lot. So uh, time for the last one of the the deep ones. But as this is going to be interesting, especially for someone like yourself, who who literally their your job and everything you do is 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 mostly impacted with the fact of how it how it affects others so if you couldn't share your work with anyone not your wife not family not anyone would you still shoot and create stuff you know honestly i don't think that i would and um i know that feels super weird to say but the truth is that i am somebody who uh let me let me say that again um yeah no the truth is that um I create because I want to make an impact. I want to make a change in the lives of people. And so I've never really been one to just create for myself. I create for um, the purpose of making an impact. And um, I think, you know, I'm sure that I would draw stuff in the sand and I would find funny ways to be creative um, if I was the last person on earth. But um, my, my drive is constantly to uh, to create change with what I do. Um, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, and I know that's weird and I know it's maybe even controversial. Um, and I'm sure a lot of art purists don't feel that way at all, but, um, yeah, that's definitely where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, And honestly, to me, it's, it's funny. People always, whenever they answer that question, they have a real deep kind of, that kind of visceral reaction. They go, uh, I don't know, you know, like, and, and you sit there and think you're, you're really kind of second guessing everything in life. Right. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, for a lot of people, it's like, they say, well, look, I still take pictures. No one sees on my iPhone or do stuff like that. I still see things like a photographer. So, but then I remember like, um, uh, Tamara Lackey had a real great way of putting it. She goes, would it hurt? Would the work be a lot, not as meaningful? Yeah. Like for sure, it would suck to not share with people and 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 experience it together. But I would still do it, you know. And, and I was like, huh, interesting, you know, because most people just go, oh yeah, totally, of course, of course. I, I've been having, like you said, I've had a camera since I was eight, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And then some people were like, eh, you know, like what would be the fun in it? Just doing it for yourself, you know. So so I can see both sides for sure. So Brandon, thank you for taking the time out today. Uh, so where can people check out your stuff and, and learn more about what you do? Yeah, man. Uh, first of all, this has been a blast. Um, when I said that I love being in the room with people that are smarter than me, like that's this moment because you're great at this. You're a great conversationalist. I love the way you think about things. Um, so it's been so fun. Um, but if people want to follow along with me and, uh, 
you know, be smarter than me on the internet. Um, they can find me <laughs> everywhere at, at Brandon Harvey. And that's Brandon with an E N. Um, they can also specifically search for my podcast, um, in the iTunes, like in the, yeah, in the iTunes store, the podcast app. Um, it's called sounds good with Brandon Harvey. And then my newsletter is called the good newsletter and it's at brandonharvey.com. And, uh, and especially more than anything, if you guys find, uh, pieces of good news that really inspire me, that really inspire you. Send them my way. I'd love to see them. Um, cause that's what keeps me going. That's awesome. Great. Awesome. So last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? Oh man. So two of my favorite people that I like, I, I constantly see this stuff in my feed and I'm like, dang, these people are so inspiring. One is Matt Steele. He's incredible. He's just this guy. I mean, met on Instagram, but he creates these beautiful, minimal, um, quirky and fun pieces of art um, through photography. And he just has a way of seeing the world that is unlike anybody else I've ever seen. So Matt mm-hmm. Steele. Then the other person is Theron Humphrey. And, you know, Theron and I have crossed paths a number of times. He's just got a really, really fun eye for the world. He's a classic photographer. Like he just knows how to shoot a beautiful image. And um, I'm constantly inspired by the work that he creates and the way that he um, brings a scent, uh, brings a sense of um, artist purity to uh, the photography world. He just, he knows what he's doing. And I love that about him. That's great. Awesome. We'll definitely check him out. Well, listen, Brendan, again, thank you for taking the time out. Thank you for the kind words. Hope you had a great time. I know I did. Uh, and I'm glad we were able to kind of revisit this um, and, uh, and have an even better conversation. So thank you. Dude, so good. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. So guys, if you're curious about using borrow lenses, you'll be happy to know all of their gear is tested, calibrated, reset, and cleaned after every order. They accept major credit card and most debit cards, and the majority of orders they process do not require a deposit. They love it when their gear gets to travel worldwide, but you have to promise to share some photos when you get back. Remember to visit borrowlenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount.